Could love our gracious queens Our true outrageous queens Their time has come United Queendom United Queendom is sponsored by Q-Bar, who provide the best gay night out in London. Enjoy Q-Bar, Q-Club, Little Q and She-Bar in Soho every night of the week for drinking, dancing and, despite the name, limited queuing. Now let's get on with the show. Uh, we're very excited today because we have the absolutely fabulous, talented, amazing, red wig and a silver dress herself, Davina DeCampo. Oh! <laughs> and we must have done something right because she came back. <laughs> Or it's been so long, you've forgotten how um, how awful we are. Lockdown has no. done that. <laughs> I'm a bad penny and I keep showing up when nobody really wants me. Oh, we want you, all right. So, um, <laughs> how has how has you how was your first lockdown and how is your current second lockdown? Um, honestly, they haven't been that bad for me. Um, we were living in a two-bed flat with three of us and a dog and all my drag stuff, God. which was. <laughs> Um, challenging, I'll say. I can imagine. <laughs> there were definitely some arguments had, um, just because that you know the pressure of all all of us all being in the same place at the same time, it became quite fractious. Um, but we moved sort of halfway through. So how long was lockdown? Five months? Six months? Seven so years, moved, it felt like, I believe. I mean, it, yes, it does <laughs> feel like a while. Um, we moved sort of halfway more towards the end um, of that lockdown into a, a three-bed uh, townhouse. So now I am coming to you live from my garage of dreams. Um <laughs> The, is that is the name of the next tour, Garage of Dreams? Yeah, I mean, it should be, yeah. <laughs> uh, which, this is now my sort of mini studio. So I've I've carpeted all of the walls and the ceiling and the floor. And um, currently there is a green screen tacked up on the wall, which I have been making very good use of. <laughs> is this making, um, like, online content? Making your own... <laughs> I have been asked by Fruit TV, which have just launched in the UK, to make a Christmas special. So oh. that's what I've been doing with my time. Um, I sort of, you know, it looked a bit like I'd gone back in for Drag Race because I disappeared off social media so much. Um, but it was literally because I was filming uh, sort of nine until two in the morning, you know, nine in the morning until two in the morning every day for about four weeks. Um so uh, I'm really, really excited for everyone to see it as well. It's going to be on Fruit TV uh, this December. Oh, cool. Well, y you strike me as a very... You and Christmas go together hand in hand, I imagine. I mean, red <laughs> and silver are the perfect combination for Christmas. I do think, yes. <laughs> I do think! <laughs> How Are you sick of people quoting your uh, phrases from Drag Race at you yet? Or is it still fresh no! enough? <laughs> no, that's still great. I mean, it's lovely to have had any kind of impact on people's lives, um, you know, where they want to actually uh, use it and buy into it and be part of it. You know, that's great. What an amazing gift to me. 
Uh, do you feel lucky that uh, your season kind of, I mean, you've been having high profile jobs before Drag Race, but for some of the American and Canadian queens who went on the show this year, they didn't really get to capitalize on it because they went straight into lockdown. But you guys got a good few months, didn't you, before it, got, it locked down? We did. I mean, it wasn't a huge amount of time. Uh, how many months did we get? About four months after the finale. Yeah. Um, but yes, we've we've been very lucky that we've been able to uh, at least start getting out there and uh, making a name for ourselves away from that from the show. You know, because the 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 thing with TV is it's that captured moment in time. And then you're always just that to people who've only seen that, Um, which, of course, you know, it's a very strange situation to be in Drag Race. Uh, So uh, how you behave in there is maybe not how you would behave in ordinary life anyway. Um, (laughs) You know, so... uh, You behaved very well compared to some of them. Yeah, I mean, I was really lucky. I was really lucky and I was really honest and open and I was myself. You know, I was a bitch. I was nice. I was helpful. I was um, shady. You know, I was... Thankfully, I I got an edit which showed all the sides of my personality. You know, that sometimes I'm competitive, other times I'm not. Uh, Most of the time I'm (laughs) anxiety-ridden. Well, it's very relatable and I think that's why people connected to you so much. But um, one of the things that I... Uh, associate with you is uh, like I feel like you're a bit of a workaholic so was it quite good to be forced to take a bit of a break this year um, I mean sorry I just dropped my phone she's off um, the thing is I, I haven't actually taken a break I've I've worked pretty much consistently um, since October um, I'd, the funny thing was that I was having more of a break while it was airing um, then, then afterwards, you know, afterwards, I had lots of things already booked in anyway. So I was yeah. kind of, I had work booked in, ready to to go. Um, and then uh, it was more while the show was airing because I was living in Gran Canaria. Jealous. You know, we we actually live out there. Um, that home is out there. Yeah. Uh, so while. Most of the time I was still in the UK while it was happening, you know, I was also out there. Um, so I, some of the time I didn't even see the episode um, until, you know, I'd come back and then I had to binge them. That's um, crazy. Do they not send it you early? You have to no, watch it with everyone else. of course they don't. <laughs> no, that's not how TV works. You never see any of what you've done until it's on the TV yourself. Well, I think my friend was on Come Dine with me and he said, yeah, they didn't show him the episode, but they give him a rundown of like what to expect. Like, if Yes, you... I mean, if, if there's bad stuff, then one of the producers will call you and say, now, this is the week where this happens. <laughs> and I, I think you need to be ready because uh, social media is the way that it is. And, you know, maybe it's going to be difficult, you know, so they, yeah. they do preempt some of that because obviously they know exactly what's in the episode before it gets aired. Yeah. So if there's anything that they, they're trying to protect you, you know, if there's anything that, that they think um, may adversely affect you, they want you to be ready for it so that you can deal with it rather than it being, you know, real left field and, and you're not, 
not knowing that it's coming. So they do their best to make you look as bad as possible, then they protect you from it when it comes out. No, I'm joking. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Was there, <laughs> was there um, after you, because it must be crazy for you guys filming and then seeing it so long after, but was there one moment on the show that you were kind of dreading, or maybe this moment didn't even end up making it to air, but was there something like, oh, God, episode four, I'm just, I can't, I'm cringing or I'm dreading this? Um, there was... No, not really. There was one thing that I did that I, uh, as soon as I'd done it, I felt bad about it. And uh, I feel really guilty about it. Um, Crystal was looking for, during the sewing challenge, she was asking for cable ties. Um, I didn't know that she was asking for cable ties. I thought I hadn't heard. I hadn't heard anything, and Blue turned to me and said, should I say something? And what I was seeing, because I'm once I'm focused, I kind of block everybody out anyway. I have that mm. ability. Yeah. You know, I'm one of seven, so if you if seven. you want to ignore people, yeah, oh I'm one of seven. God. So <laughs> you kind of build up this ability to, if you are focusing on something, to just block everything out. So I'd sort of blocked everything out, and then as I'd looked up, Blue stood in front of me, and she says, um, should I tell her? And I'm looking at Crystal, and she's got this big cherry on top of her head, which was not part of the challenge. And, you know, I'm looking around the room, obviously Crystal is the only competition for me currently in the sewing challenge because some ripped up tapes is not going to do it and neither is some fucking chopped up gloves. So, <laughs> you know, I'm looking around the room and I'm like, whoa, Crystal's my only competition here. And I said, <laughs> I, I said to Blue, remember it's a competition. Oh. <laughs> that... <sighs> Which was... Saboteur. Not very sisterly. Yeah, not very sisterly at all. Um, but I thought Blue was asking me about whether Crystal should be told that she can't wear this cherry on top of her head. It turned out that that was not what Crystal was going to do at all anyway. She was looking for some cable ties. I didn't know that's what she was looking for. So there was kind of like three different cross-purposes going on at the same <laughs> time. And so I, I then the next day when uh, we're in the workroom, Blue does say, well, Davina told me not to. And I was like, I did not do that. I, I did not do that. And I didn't because I didn't know that that's what she was asking for. Oh, God. <laughs> so inadvertently, I had told Blue not to give her the cable ties. But that wasn't what I was actually talking about. You could have been the British so, Fifi O'Hara in, in one fell swoop. playing switch all the time and, and that would be fine <laughs> and speaking of um that outfit and all your runways from the show you you mentioned that you were going to be auctioning them off for charity is that right i am unfortunately that particular outfit went in the bin <laughs> are you joking i'm not joking why <laughs> well I, after Drag Race, of course, I'm going back and forwards to Gran Canaria and um, I'm looking at everything and I'm going, well, I can't wear... i torn it. So the blue piping down the side of the trousers, as we've got back into the workroom after the runway um, and the judging, it, it tore. Um, and then Crystal looked really mad. <laughs> <laughs> 
she was like, you fucking bitch. Um, she tore it as revenge for the whole... I mean, yeah, it would have been fair. I wouldn't have blamed her, to be honest, if she did. And I dearly love Crystal. So I feel I feel so bad about doing that. Oh, uh, no. But it turned out that it wasn't It wasn't what I thought it was. I thought Blue was just going to tell her, oh, you can't wear that cherry on your head, you know, which, of course, <laughs> she knew that. She's not an idiot. Um well, I mean, so me, yeah, that that went in the bin. But everything else, uh, it, everything else apart from the Bond outfit, because I gave that to Joe Black, they absolutely shredded me on the runway in that outfit. Um, and uh, if I'd never seen that coat again in my entire life, it would have been too soon. <laughs> so I get it. Joe had messaged me and said, I love this coat. It's absolutely amazing. Where did you get it? And I was like, well, I made it and you can have it because they hated it. So it is <laughs> when I'm in Brighton, that is yours. You can take that from me because I never want to see it again. Um, but everything else is is in the auction, uh, the genetically modified, the day of the races, the rainy day, the queen, my hometown, um, my entrance look. Also, the outfit that I wore for the advert is in there as well, the big purple dress, oh, yeah. um, which, which is handmade by me, um, and there's 700 pounds of taffeta just in that outfit. Damn. And <laughs> and I uh, is, does this include the finale gown? Because that was my favourite. The Well, I'm going to hold on to that one. <gasps> um, yeah, the Union Jack dress uh, is, is not in the sale either because I'm going to hold on to that one. But all the other dresses and outfits are in there and it's on Jumblebee. So you can go on Jumblebee, search for Davina De Campo and you'll be able to bid on your own bit of Drag Race history. Oh, I was going to bid on the Union Jack. Now I'm going to have to figure out which other one to bid on. And I wanted the one you've thrown in the bin, for God's sake. <laughs> Can you just make another one? You could make it even better. Well, You'd have more time. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, I could make it again, actually, to be honest. One of my ideas was maybe we, uh, we auction it and I make it for somebody else. So I make it to their size. Oh, that's a really good idea. Yeah, because it wouldn't fit me. I'm too short and stumpy. So if you can make one for a dwarf size, then I'll take that. Um, what was I going to say? So if you had to predict which outfit will go, will raise the most money, which one would you think it would be? I know what I, I think. Mean, yeah, I think it would be the genetically modified one, um, partly because you get everything in there. So you've got the shoes, you've got the, the wig and the headdress, the gloves, and the outfit itself. Yeah. Um, so that's the complete outfit. Um, either that or the day at the races, probably. Yeah, I predicted the day at the races. My favourite was genetically modified out of the runways, but I think most a lot yeah. of people love that um, races one, don't they? The jockey one. Yeah. yeah. The, they and were all does, fabulous. It, it, yeah, that also has the, the hat with it as well. So it's got the gloves, the hat, um, and the shoes as well, I think, are in there. And did you say what um, the charity it is? It's the George House Trust. And they work with um, people with HIV and AIDS who are living in and around uh, Manchester and the Northwest. They do amazing work. Um, but sometimes they get a bit overlooked because they're not, uh, they're not national in the same way that other, other charities are. 
oh, well, I'm going to have to get saving to make a bid. But I did actually ban myself from bidding. So I once bid £1,000 for dinner with Ben Cohen, and it was a huge <gasps> mistake. Luckily, oh it fell God. through, and I didn't have to do it. But I, I wasn't even that drunk. I just was looking at him, and he just looked so handsome, and I just lost control, and I did not have the money to spare at the time. But... I mean... <laughs> Yeah, Look, it depends who has to pay for dinner in that circumstance, doesn't it? Because, you know, maybe you can order a £1,000 worth of food as well. Well, no, it was to go to his house and he cooked the whole meal. So he probably oh. would have just put, like, some chips in the oven or something. It probably wouldn't have even been... I mean, yeah. <laughs> Listen, if you were if you were coming round to mine for dinner and I'm cooking, you're going to be lucky if you get beans on toast. They aren't burnt. <laughs> well, I'd expect Yorkshire puddings as two Yorkshire girls, OK? <laughs> I They'd have to be Aunt Bessie's. I can't cook. Yorkshire <laughs> <laughs> well, cooking may not be your talent, but as we saw, one of your many talents on Drag Race was uh, your dancing, and that's why you were one of the names that was kind of tipped to be the first ever um, same-sex couple, perhaps, on Strictly this year, which unfortunately didn't happen. I thought it was going to happen. Were there any conversations well, about that? Oh, yeah, that has. I mean, it, yeah. the same-sex couple has happened, but unfortunately... Um, one of them's got COVID, haven't they? So yeah. they've they've just dropped out. Uh, which I mean, you know, if if you're listening, I am I'm here. I can do it now. It's fine. I don't mind. Just drop me in at any point. Oh, I never um, thought they might replace the. Per- but I guess you need to have had the rehearsals, wouldn't you? You can't. Yeah, and you have to be isolated as well. You know, that's part of the thing is that they've all isolated with each other for two weeks and been tested consistently throughout that that period of time um i think they've to be honest i think they've done it the right way um in that there is a, a really really long history of women dancing together in ballroom anyway so this isn't controversial or um you know a step away from the norm this is the norm there are competitive female couples out there and have been since the 50s you know because the war happened lots of men didn't come back so women were dancing with each other because there were no men to dance with. So, you know, the idea that some people are still outraged about this is ridiculous because this is a a tradition in the UK. You know, it's part of our our dance history. So... um, So I think they've they've sort of done it the right way for the BBC, you know, for their audience and their viewership. Um, This is the least controversial... Yeah, but I you know agree. what? Everybody's grandma loves me. Everybody's grandma loves me because every time I'm at a meet and greet, everyone's like, "Oh, I just want to tell you, my grandma loves you." <laughs> <laughs> what about you, bitch? <laughs> <laughs> you want the hot young men, and you're getting all the grannies. <laughs> exactly. No, exactly. All the young people love you as well. I say that like yeah. I'm one of them. I don't think I categorise as that anymore. Unfortunately. <laughs> Um, last time we spoke, we uh, talked a bit about the fact that um, there'd been some drama between yourself and the Vivian. Uh, where does that yeah. stand now? Has that kind of moved on, or is it the same place it was? Uh, I mean, it, I mean, it was really nowhere to begin with. That was the thing, you know. Especially from my side, there was no drama. Um, so you know, whatever, whatever, Trevor. <laughs> <laughs> And you two have worked together since then, haven't you? So has that been fine? Yes, or do you just kind of, yes. Do you, do you speak much or do you just kind of avoid each other? Well, we're both professional, you know. It, it is what it is. Not everybody's going to get along. You know, you don't like everybody in your life. So I don't like anybody. To like, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, you can't expect everybody else to, to like you either. 
But that doesn't mean that you can't work together, you know. Well, That's fine. Yeah, one of my biggest gripes about Drag Race UK was no um, reunion. I wanted, like, a proper reunion. I still yeah! think... I still think it should happen. Even if it happened now, it'd still be good. There's so much to talk about. So Yeah, I think that's a great idea, actually, to have a, a reunion show, uh, because God Shave the Queens has just gone live. I know. So, uh, and they've it's loaded so all of them up. Yes, and it's great. I've been very lucky in being able to watch it because I'm naughty. Um, <laughs> so it's great, actually. It's a really good uh, little series. Um, and I think it'll be about, you know, because each episode's about 20 minutes, so it, it'll be a good two two to three hours that you'll be able to binge on it. Oh, and I will. That's my tomorrow sorted, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and um, there was also a thing on Twitter recently where you'd made a joke and then Priyanka seemed to, the winner of <gasps> Canada's Drag Race, seemed to take it seriously. <laughs> See, I didn't see that Priyanka had taken it seriously. You know, I mean, come on, guys, it's drag, let's be real. And <laughs> at no point have I, would I, even dare to say that Vivian did not deserve her win because holy moly, she did. She smashed that competition. So, you know, that is not a thing in my head. So if you know that, which obviously Priyanka didn't know that, um, then you would take it for what it is, that it's a joke. Um, But yes, apparently she did write something about you should never, you should never disrespect another girl's win or, you know, something like that or another queen's win or something like that. Like I said, I didn't see it. Somebody had sort of pointed out to her, babe, it's a joke. um, And then she deleted it, so... (laughs) <laughs> well, I took the joke to mean, like, the comparison between Hillary Clinton as she won the popular vote and you kind of the, were the fan favourite to win. So I thought that was the reference. But... Yeah, but it was also election night. You know, I was yeah. just tying in with election night. Somebody, that the, the girl who'd made the meme tagged me in it on Twitter and I just thought, this is hilarious and it's the day of the election. You know, it's the night of the election. Let's share this. It's really funny. It's stupid. Everybody knows it's not serious. Um, but it turns out not everybody does know that it's not serious. <laughs> That's Twitter for you. Um, and speaking of Canada's Drag Race, I wondered, because obviously Brooklyn Heights was a runner-up on uh, season 11, and then she went on yeah. to become the first queen to host uh, the show so I wondered um, in the future if Rue ever stepped down would you consider hosting Drag Race UK ah! <laughs> <laughs> they would not ask me they would not ask me I think you'd be um, the obvious choice in the UK like who well, else I mean, would it I be I was the first TV talent judge who was also a drag queen yeah um, so yes it probably would make sense um, and also I would be honest and uh constructive so i'd be a slightly different judge to you know what maybe they've got already um (laughs) (laughs) uh, 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 i i obviously i'd do it yes of course i would i'd be insane not to do it do i think that they'll ever ask me if that were to happen no but obviously if they did i would say yes of course i mean just imagine the costume budget oh it'd be amazing (laughs) and the lighting 
Uh, yes, you finally get decent lighting rather than stuff that washes you out and makes you look great. Okay, <laughs> it was my makeup. I know it was my makeup before you ring in and go, eh, she's not. Yes, it was my makeup. I was great. Oh, I thought your makeup looked fabulous. Uh, did, oh, thank you, dear. Did you think um, any of the judgments were wrong on your season? Was there any of the play, even ones that didn't involve you necessarily? It was something that you thought was a bit off. I mean, there's always, there's always going to be that anyway, because art, in and of its nature, is subjective. You know, it's not objective. It's not like science and you go, well, that is that and that's better. Um, So, yeah, of course there were. And same watching Canada, same watching Holland, same watching America. I mean, America constantly, I'm like, this is the wrong decision, guys. Um, (laughs) But, you know, that's part of the joy of Drag Race is that you don't always agree with what the judges say and you don't always agree with the judgments and the winners. That's part of the joy of it. That's what creates the conflama. <laughs> yeah, you don't mind if every now and then there's one that's a bit off, but, like, I agreed with what I think I'd read you said, which was on Canada's Drag Race. Every week it was like you couldn't predict what was happening. It was very all over the place. So I wanted a bit more consistency than that. But Yeah, I mean, just the fact that they said that Rita Bagger's blue shiny bag was beautifully <laughs> structured and uh, tailored and it didn't it wasn't even hemmed you know at that point which was your first episode and I was like some of these other outfits are insane like they're amazing and you've chosen a shiny blue bag <laughs> okay you know so some of those some of those judgments absolutely were a a bit askew, I think. Yeah. So, uh, someone who has quite famously criticised Drag Race is um, Paul O'Grady. And I, I presume he's chosen not to be involved. I assume there was probably an offer at some point. What do you make of all that? And do you, do you know Paul O'Grady personally? No, I don't. I know people who do. Um, I think... <sighs> I think there was an element of miscomprehension on his part. Mm. Um, that, uh, because that's not even the case with America, you know, America's drag is much more, uh, visual. It is much more about the aesthetic than about the act. Um, and it is about being able to talk and create an illusion. UK drag isn't like that in the same way. You know, it still is about the look that is incredibly important. And you can see that from various different drag acts. You know, you look at Marie Dubois, her look is really, really clear. She has a very clear image. It's not glamour. It's not beauty. <laughs> but it's very clear what she's doing. This is a real strong character. Um, and and that that is the same as Lily Savage. You know, Paula Grady doing hers was a real strong, clear image. This is um, a, a, a representation of what, people think women look like, but they don't really look like this, you know? Um, And that's more the kind of UK um, approach to the aesthetic for drag. But the UK has always been much more focused on what do you do than what do you look like, you know? I I always describe it as like a Christmas present, you know? So what you look like, that's the wrapping paper. What is the, what is the gift? inside what is it that you actually are giving us on you know when you're on stage what is it that you're giving to the audience what's the gift um and that is about what 
do on stage, and that's always been much more the UK approach to drag, mainly because um, most UK drag, you're sort of given a microphone or a stage, and you've got 45 minutes to fill. So if if your act is, I'm just going to walk around and look pretty, nobody's buying that. That isn't going to keep people in the venue, and that doesn't keep you in a job. There has to be more going on. Um, yeah, the novelty wears off quite fast. <laughs> very, very quickly. I mean, there's been girls who I've uh, who've come over. I will not uh, say who they were, but they came <laughs> on stage, and for the first ten minutes, you are just entranced by how beautiful they are. They step on stage, and you go, "I know exactly where the light is." You know, they're stunning. Then, after those ten seconds, there is nothing else there. So I think that's part of what Paula Gray was sort of alluding to, was that it's not, you know, you drag is not about looking pretty, it's about what you do. Looking pretty is a great secondary byproduct of that, but the the initial phase has to be what do you do. And hopefully, I mean, I don't know whether he's watched Drag Race or not, but hopefully he did, and hopefully he saw that actually it's not about just looking pretty, um, the UK version particularly. And you can see that in the American one as well. It's absolutely not. You know, all these acting and singing and dancing and sewing, uh, all these other challenges, those show very clearly that it's it's not just about looking pretty. Yeah, well, it's, there's, there is some point there that I get. Uh, I don't think it's a failing of the show, but, I mean, in the in the real world, a lot of drag superstars like Lily Savage, like Dame Edna, they, what, what, what makes them work is, like, having that identifiable brand that you're talking about. But on Drag Race, you don't get praise for that. You have to constantly show versatility, don't Evolve you? Evolve and change, absolutely, yes. So it's one way that it doesn't necessarily reflect the real world, but that's why it's a competition and why it's fun to watch. It wouldn't be fun if, like, it was the same thing every week. Um, and uh, speaking of Dame Edna, what do you? Um, there's controversy there as well. Like a lot of fans find her views quite disappointing, and I've always been a fan, yeah. so it's a shame that she's not like the legacy seems to be have this bit of tarnish on it now. Yeah, I mean D- Barry Humphreys has always been of that view. He's never ever um, been uh, supportive of trans people. That's that's just been his views. Um, and you can either choose to ignore it um, and enjoy the act for what it is, mm. or you can say, okay, I don't want to support that. I'm, I'm going to move away from, from that. Um, you know, same with J.K. Rowling and um, that stupid guy off Pointless um, who is essentially pointless, uh, <laughs> you know, their, their transphobia, you can choose to either uh, ignore it and take the art for, for what it is, yeah. or you can you can say, actually, uh, I can't separate the art from the artist in that way, and um, and I'm, I'm just going to ignore what you say now. Um, yes, immensely disappointing. For somebody who has spent a lifetime... Um, profiting off uh, highlighting the the fallacies in gender for him to then uh, you know be a, a gender critic it, you know it, it just doesn't make any sense you know his, his whole uh, stance on it doesn't make any sense 
Well, Which actually I would say is exactly the same with J.K. Rowling. Um, her whole stance makes no sense. It has no basis in statistic, statistical fact or in the data. You know, anywhere that has self-ID has not had these enormous eruptions in violence and problems uh, for women. That's just not a thing. It's definitely an odd way to use your platform when she's so... But, um... Well, I mean... You've, you actually, you literally live in a castle. Like, you literally <laughs> live in a castle. Why are you worried about going to the bogs in a public <laughs> place? Like, you've probably got 75 of the fuckers in your house. What, what is your problem? If you don't want to share a toilet with somebody, I'm pretty sure that out of everybody, you have got the choice. Yeah. And uh, what you're saying about separating the art from the artist, I had that the other day where I was um, like listening to uh, R. Kelly came on and it's Ignition. I loved that song and I started dancing along and I was like, oh, should I listen to this anymore? That song is actually about you don't love it that much anymore. I know, and I know it's just like it's not the end of the world not listening to certain artists anymore, but it's sometimes hard to kind of erase when it's nostalgia, isn't it? But I guess it's it's a personal choice, like you say. Yeah. Ignition was about uh, a fourteen-year-old. So oh god, I didn't know that. Um, I just meant the fact that the whole documentary. I didn't know that was about a fourteen-year-old. That's even worse. Yeah. Oh my god. And and we knew that at a time. You know that, that was, was it. Aaliyah. Uh, that was the that was the story at the time. Apparently, it was his niece, oh. which makes it even worse. Like what the hell? Jesus Christ. Okay, well, definitely not listening to that. I'd already <laughs> try. I'm going to try even harder now. I mean, I could be wrong, but. He still deserves to be in prison. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Despicable. Um, but on a, on a lighter note, are you excited as a fan for the second season of Drag Race UK? Yes, super excited. Um, I think it's going to be... Uh, I think it's going to be a totally different series to season one. I think it's going to be completely different. I don't know why I think that, but I just think that, you know, in order for them to keep it... Uh, interesting and fresh. They're gonna, they're gonna approach it in a totally different way, just like they do with the American one. You know, so the the first season was about performance, and then the second season was much more, much more about uh, looks and beauty. Well, I have a feeling there's going to be like loads and loads of drama in the second season. Yeah, so I think the first yeah. season, I think you guys was specifically chosen to celebrate everything about British drag, and it all had such a celeb- ce- celebration tone throughout it, which was great. Yeah. And I just feel like it's going to get really dirty and messy now. Not that you guys didn't have some drama, of course, but I reckon it's going to yeah, get like I reckon it's going to get claws out because I mean British drag queens are very bitchy. I mean British people, I mean British gay people like me, we're we're terrible, and it will come out. Yeah. <laughs> the thing with the thing with that is that usually, you know, I think we're bitching in a different way. It's usually, it's usually genuine shade, you know. So actually, shade is is friendly and it's fun. Whereas I think sometimes uh, that's not always the case with US drag race. You know, it's not always um, catty and fun. It's it's just mean. <laughs> sometimes I think well I think on the American show you can I, I still love it so much but you can see when people are kind of fighting for the cameras whereas I think the on the British show the drama seemed a lot more real which is like kind of makes it more entertaining I think yeah I, I agree I think that was the the sort of real strong point of 
uh, UK Drag Race was that it was genuinely, you know, what we were talking about was what we were talking about, what we were saying was what we were saying. It wasn't about let's play to the camera um, because that just... It, the audience know exactly when you're doing that. So so don't do that. Just be yourself. One thing that's going to be different about season two, uh, I was watching an interview with Graham Norton the other day and it made me laugh because he said halfway through the season he's going to age by about a year because they had a big break, didn't they? Because <laughs> of COVID. So it's like they're, I'm going to watch for the moment where suddenly the contestants look completely different. One of them's gained two stone. One of them's like lost yeah. weight. It's going to be interesting. I mean, uh, yeah, I don't know whether they've been allowed to... Because t- if it was me and it was my production, I would have said, OK, all of you who are left, you can go home, but the outfits that you've got have got to stay so that nobody has a an advantage, you know? Oh, yeah. Because you've, you've all had time to work around the workroom, look at each other's stuff and go, oh, her outfit for that is so much better than mine. Oh, my God, I'd better do something about that. Oh, my God. What am I going to do? And then, of course, you've got this time off, so you can do something about it. So I would have said uh, you've got to leave all of all the outfits that haven't been worn. They have to stay. Um, but I don't know what's happened. So I'm excited to see that because, it, you know, like you say, we'll probably get halfway through the season and then suddenly everybody will have a massive glow up and you'll be like, wait a minute. <laughs> Well, Well, one of the other things as well, which obviously you can speak from first-hand experience, one of the reasons why, as it gets towards the finale, a lot of queens say they get so stressed because it's such a pressure cooker, but they're going to have this break where actually they had time to reflect and maybe that will be a huge benefit as well, just to have got out of the studio. Yeah, I think so. Just give me a second, the dog's got in the mouth. (laughs) What are you doing? This is like a live stream reality show. We're getting an insight into the real life of DDC and dog. God, I'm talking to myself. I'm officially gone crazy. Is Davina being attacked by her dog? What would I do? Would I phone the police? I'm sorry. Oh, no, not all. It was very fun to listen to. You were saying... I locked that... my housemate out. <laughs> you were saying so, earlier about yeah. filling the stage time for 45 minutes being the show, the sign of talent. I couldn't fill this one minute of air. I tried to... I just was speaking to myself like a crazy person. <laughs> there might have to be some editing there. Yeah, a little <laughs> bit of chopping and changing going on here. Um, yeah, I think that's true, actually. I think a lot of them... Uh, Certainly, I needed some time, like some decompression time after Drag Race, which I think is part of what the uh, the wait in between filming and airing, because it's nearly six months. Yeah. Um, but I think actually that's one of the reasons why production do that um, is to give you uh, as a as a drag queen and a performer, time to kind of go away, evaluate and and de- decompress from it. Because, I mean, it really is one of the, the most pressurised uh, environments you're ever going to be in. You know, you're expected to do all kinds of different things, which, you know, on any other show is not required. Well, um, 
Um, for a lot of people, it didn't apply to you as much because you'd ha- had a high profile before the show, but for a lot of people, it must be time to say goodbye to normal life, really. I mean, no drag queens have a normal life, really. But, you know, like no. being able to go places and actually be anonymous, which I, I, you probably knew was going to kind of go away more so after Drag Race. So it's like, but I guess you were more prepared for that than most of the cast, I would imagine. Yeah, really lucky. Um, and I think Bago was probably in the same situation and Vivian as well that, you know, in, and, you know, probably all of us actually were to a smaller degree. So I was really well known in Manchester already. That mural. So I'm always Canal seeing Street. pictures of that mural. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, walking down Canal Street, it would take, you know, it's only a two and a half minute walk but it would take 10 minutes at least because so many people stopping to say hello how are you what's this what's that so um all all that sort of happened for me was um that experience uh, got me ready for it on a, a wider scale mm. um and so i think actually most girls will be used to that and it'll just be a case of that is then scaled up so instead of it being you know just in the area where you work because most most of the cities where we're working have got their own little quarter haven't they of a a gay scene um so then it's a case of actually instead of it just being there it's also throughout the rest of town or the city that you're living in and anywhere else that you go as well and the world (laughs) yes yes I i mean there have been there have been quite a lot um of airport uh, chats that I've had where I've been flying from one place to another and people have gone, oh my God, it's you! Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and you're like, yes, hi, how are you? Um, I still really enjoy that. You know, I genuinely really enjoy it um, because those 10 seconds of my life, then some, it's made somebody's day, yeah. you know? Well... Um, and as you'll know from, because you know a lot of the American Drag Race alumni, this goes on for years because people are constantly finding the show. So it's quite fresh for you now, but it's never going to stop, is it? In five years, people will be watching your season for the first time and they're going to tweet you about it. It's never. Luckily, yeah, it'll be absolutely. positive stuff for you because you came across so well. But if you had a, <laughs> if you had a bad edit, it never ends for them. It's I do sympathise. No, <laughs> no, it doesn't. It doesn't end. Um, and that's actually really lovely as well. So this year. Um, partway through lockdown they'd started airing Drag Race in South Africa oh wow so then I'd started to get lots of messages from people in South Africa saying I've been watching you on Drag Race we love you we think you're great blah 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 or (laughs) you've got a great face why are you so grey you need to put some moisturiser on the bastards (laughs) (laughs) I mean I didn't get any of those but you know obviously (laughs) those would be the things that you would say to me um yeah, so that's been really lovely as well. Um, and and I think that's that's maybe something that I wasn't ready for in the same way. You know, like with All Together Now, it sort of was on TV and then it, it's done. Um, whereas Drag Race, when people find it, then they go back and look at everything else as well. You know, because it's one of those, because it's been running for so long and everybody is so different. And it's not like America's Next Top Model, is it, where some of the people are particularly bland. (laughs) You don't have that in Drag Race. Everybody has a personality. Everybody has something interesting to say. So um, 
So people are genuinely interested and intrigued to see what's come before. We've done exactly the same, actually. Um, We've watched right from season one. Uh, Once lockdown finished, we started watching uh, from season one again. And we just got to the one where Monet Exchange says that... uh, that we changed our accent after people went to America and then came <laughs> back because we wanted to change our accent. But then she was apparently right about that because I thought that was really funny, but then everyone online uh, afterwards was saying there was some truth to it. N- not quite. Yes, at one point in history, the uh, king decided that he's, everybody sounded too common and that's where received pronunciation comes from. It's not because we went to America because otherwise... Why doesn't everybody in the UK sound like that? Why do people in Liverpool sound different to people in Manchester and people in Manchester sound different to people in Yorkshire and people in Yorkshire sound different to people in Devon? That's because at no point has there been a cohesive accent for the UK. So that's just not a thing. And not to brag, but the most common accent is Uddersfield. Uddersfield! (laughs) (laughs) So... um... (laughs) But she is right that uh, the the aristocracy did change their accent, and there is um, there is an island. I can't remember what the island's called though. They've run out of space for people to bury their dead. You know, space is at a real premium on this island. I can't. Remember, is it Coney? I don't know. Anyway, that island they still have what is as close to the accent that most as the UK would have had um, at the time, which is more of a sort of West Country accent. So, you know, if you're talking about Shakespeare, most of it would have been done in a West Country accent, like that, like everybody's a farmer. Oh, that Romeo, ruins Romeo, where for out there, Romeo. <laughs> That's not romantic anymore. <laughs> not quite the same, no. But that was the more that was the more prevalent accent in the UK. But obviously it was still different, because otherwise... You know, people in Yorkshire wouldn't sound the way that they do. And even within Yorkshire, you know, people in Leeds are more like that. You know, everything's more like that. No, no, there's snow in the road. Whereas <laughs> if you go to Barnsley, well, everything's much more, like, deep and guttural. And you don't have hardly any uh, uh, consonant at all. It's all just, you know, like that. Well, that was the first thing I had to change when I moved to London because I was so sick of ordering Coke. And I mean Coca-Cola, not... Um, cocaine yeah. at bars and you say <laughs> you say cook and they don't know what you're talking about I'll have a diet cook yeah I'll have a diet cook yes um, you know that's but that you know so there some of what she said there is a grain of truth in it that uh, the the king at the time decided actually he wanted to sound much much more uh, he wanted to sound different to the peasants basically. I see a documentary in this, honestly. And yeah. um, uh, I presume that you know um, probably most of the queens who are on season two, but you can't say she'd be in trouble. But um, I don't know anybody at all. I have no idea. Please don't ask me. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, like, I wonder if anyone's come to you for advice or would you give advice to people? But do you really not know any of them? Oh, I have? would. Yeah. Absolutely, I would give people advice. I've had more people asking about season three, to be honest, because, of course, the um, oh, yeah. the audition process has just opened for that. Um, so I've had more people asking about their selfie tapes and stuff like that. And, 
you know, all of that stuff is absolutely fine. You want to you want to know about that. You want to ask questions about that. Sure, I'm happy to answer them. Um, it's all pretty self-explanatory anyway in in the stuff that they send you. You know, it's very clear what you have to do when they send it to you. Um, it's The difficulty really is about squeezing it all into the amount of time that you've got for yourself to take. Because yeah, they don't, don't want to be watching 30 minutes each, you know. Yeah. Um, and uh, you said you would be up for, like, a UK-US All-Stars crossover. Have you heard any more rumours about that or anything? No, no rumours. I mean, honestly, I think what would be even better would be an, an international. So you have Holland, yes. you have... Because Australia's on the way as well. Um, so you've got Australia, Canada, America, uh, Thailand. I mean, imagine those girls competing against the rest of us because oh they they were setting themselves on fire they were throwing water all over themselves like you know it was theirs was another level of insanity <laughs> all their runway outfits um so i think you know that would be really really interesting and exciting and honestly australia has some of the most beautiful drag queens their makeup is stunning if you if you don't follow follow Minnie Cooper uh, go follow her give her a follow she's uh, really funny and stunning her skin like I've seen her in real life and her skin is so perfect oh I'll have to look it her up it is unbelievable um, if you were to do Drag Race again if you had any thoughts about who your snatch game would be on take two because I have a suggestion oh, for you oh my God, <laughs> I have no idea. Like, I, 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 impersonations just aren't my thing, which, you know, you could probably tell from the show because I wasn't pretending to be anybody else ever. I was just myself. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I'm not sure yet. I need to think of something, though, don't I? Well, oh. here's my suggestion, and I think it'd be really good because you wouldn't have to do much of an impersonation. Okay. If it's in the UK, Jane McDonald. Oh, oh my be God, good. Jane McDonald, hilarious. Yeah, so she's got... campus tits as well. Oh, and gays love her. She's got the Oxford accent. You're my it's... world, you're every breath I take. <laughs> Come on, everybody, sing. You're my world. <laughs> it's yeah, an exclusive. Her. And I was... <laughs> that, that segues perfectly, because I was just going to ask, uh, you've released your debut album, which was amazing. It was so much fun, uh, such good songs. Um, but when are we going to get the Frock Destroyers full, full geesh? Well, I don't know. Um, you know, hopefully that's going to happen very, 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 very soon. There are no clues or hints happening right now. Uh, there's also... Um, I, I, I've got three EPs out now, darling. Three. Where have you been? Three? Jesus. Three. I can't keep up. Yeah, I, I had uh, the EP for Decoded, then I had the remix EP for Gratify, um, and one of the guys that I worked with on Gratify for the remixes, Mike Carter, uh, he's been working with me, along with Rick Neal, who um, I've worked with on various different projects in the past. Um, and we've been writing a Christmas EP called Red and Silver. Yes, the branding is perfect. And that's perfect. on pre-order right now. So you can you can get yourself on Spotify or iTunes and pre-order it right now. Oh, I can't wait for that. That's going to be amazing. 
Um, so d- did you kind of, did lockdown hamper any of your like career plans or was everything, did everything go pretty much as it was going to go? No, I mean, it, all of the live work obviously got cancelled. Yeah. So, um, Bagger Blue and I were all supposed to be doing a tour with, um, Joe Purdy Productions of, uh, Sleeping With Beauty. A panto, and that of course has been postponed. And that was, I think, that was a thirty-day tour or something. So, um, all of those things have been postponed. My uh, one-woman tour, Red and Silver, has been postponed. Um, that's hopefully happening in December. Um, looking at the way things are and the way that Boris is, the fact that he says, I will never, ever do that. Never, never, never. (laughs) Actually, we're going to do that now. Um, So uh, whether whether that's going to happen or not, I don't know. You can still book tickets, though, and because it's with Club Kids, there is a, a guarantee. So you either get tickets to the new date or you'll be refunded. You know, so... You, you don't lose your money. It's, it's never going to happen like that, that you'll lose the money. Oh, good. And I, I think I asked you this last time, but I remember people were talking about the Frock Destroyers and Eurovision. Everyone seemed to think that was a really good idea. Do you still think that might happen one day? Hopefully, yeah. I'd absolutely love it. I mean, I think what they're doing this year for 2021 is they're, they're going to keep all the people that we're supposed to do it in 2020. Oh, they'll yeah. all have new, new songs um and and then they'll they'll compete instead so um, 2022 then we're looking towards yeah <laughs> 2022 just my age 22 22 that's the one <laughs> i don't know about you but i'm feeling 22 um <laughs> 22 stone I'm after lockdown feeling 22 <laughs> oh i mean yeah Um, Would you like to play a little game of We Play Humpting Wong on the podcast, which is where I hum a song and you have to guess what it is? Okay, yeah, let's do it. Okay, I'm ready. And I always make it related to the guest, so you in yourself are a clue. So it won't be random, it's something that's to do with your life. Three, two, one. <laughs> Is it ringing a bell? Not a bloody clue. <laughs> so it's by someone who you have appeared on a TV show with, a Spice Girl. Bag it up, I'm so glad. After I gave that clue, we... <laughs> I still listen to it regularly. I, it was a number one hit. Same. I love it. And I love Michiko Latina's one of my favourite ever songs. Schizophonic is such a great album. Scream as you, if you want to go faster is also great. The next one... Yeah. Well, Jerry, she's coming. <laughs> she's meant to be coming back. Would you two ever duet? Oh, I would love to duet with Jerry. Yeah, she's fantastic. She writes pure pop brilliance. When she's writing a pop track, you know, because she wrote a lot of the tunes for uh, the Spice Girls, and you can tell. Yeah. Because when she leaves, it's a very different direction that they they go in. Not quite as successful. Um, <laughs> and. It, and so she writes brilliant pop, you know, she's 
got a great ear for writing a hook and for catchy lyrics. You know, she's really, really and that's when she's really great. When she's when she's writing pop tracks like that, she's brilliant. Yeah, I don't think people give the Spice Girls credit as songwriters. They wrote those songs and they're amazing and they stood the test of yeah. time. Um, but I do think you, you singing with her, you would show her up a bit vocally. But that's a, that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. She's an amazing singer. The <laughs> <Yes. laughs> COVID cough there. Well, Davida, I've kept you for an hour from your dogs and your garage of dreams. It's been a pleasure, oh as always. So thank you so much for coming back on United thank Kingdom. Thank you, darling. And hopefully soon we'll make it a hat trick. Because you're always doing so much. There's always stuff to talk about. Yes, Always. Oh, well, thank you so much for speaking to me. And, yeah, best of luck with everything you're doing. Keep slaying. Thank you, darling. Speak to you soon. Lots of love. Bye. Bye. United Queendom. <laughs>